our faith should not be just a category of our life. It shouldn't just be intellectual knowledge. Our faith should be our life. Faith wasn't a Sunday thing for the early believers. It wasn't just a thing on special holidays or around special groups of people. We would act a certain way. No, no, it, it is a daily thing. Faith creates a lifestyle when for many in our culture, faith is nothing more than a necklace or a social club that we want to be on on Sundays. I was challenged to reflect based on my experience in the Middle East. How much do I really devote my life to God? How important do I make God in my life? Because if if God is really real, then he should be the most important person in my life. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Andrew Roman Show. How was your Thanksgiving weekend? Come on, let's be honest. We're all a bit heavier, but hey, that's okay. Because if you didn't gain weight in Thanksgiving, did you really have a Thanksgiving? Look, my Thanksgiving was restful, a lot of sleep. Um, I would say not as much food as I usually have. Although my second serving, like the day after, I guess Thanksgiving was on a Thursday, so the Friday, I feel like I had a bigger Thanksgiving plate. But hey, you ain't nobody can complain with those Thanksgiving leftovers. But I slept a lot, which was very needed after a long flight back, which I'll tell you a little bit about that trip uh, that I took. But before I do, I do wish that you had a great, great weekend. Don't forget, rate this podcast, like, subscribe, do the whole laundry list. I hope you've enjoyed these episodes so far. Join the movement at ccgeneration.com. I took a bit of a needed break in the last week or so, so I was a little bit out of touch in the social media or even at the CC Generation with the newsletter and all that, but I'm back. I'm back at the office, as they say, back behind the computer with Man, do I tell you, do I have a lineup for you? This com- These coming episodes will be just fiery, man. It's going to be really, really good. You know, in this episode, I'll tell you a little bit about my trip. And uh, we'll actually start uh, discuss. We'll start a series discussing a bit of uh, the differences between Islam and Christianity. Uh, we'll cu- we're going to talk and expose some of the lies that are believed, as well as just kind of share the truth and clarify some things that I think will will be needed for for anyone, regardless if you maybe have friends that are Muslims. Uh, you yourself might be listening and you might be a Muslim yourself, or you might not even know one Muslim, but believe me, after these, uh, uh, there might be this one, another one, probably three episodes total, I will tell you, you will gain a greater confidence in your faith in Christ. Well, let me tell you about my trip. I know you will love it. I'm sure I'll be able to share a little bit here on the video. And if you're on podcast, you can watch it on YouTube. That way you can experience it as well. Well, folks, I went to the freaking Middle East. Ta-da! I know, it was insane. I mean, I say it was the Middle East because it was technically the Middle East, but I went to, uh, to Dubai. Now, the reason I went to Dubai is because in Abu Dhabi, an hour south of, is it south? Probably it's an hour west, southwest of Dubai, along the coast, um, was the F1 races in Abu Dhabi. Those were fantastic. We took a 14-hour flight on the Wednesday. We got there on a Thursday. Whole experience on the flight that that's for another day. Um, and that was just, dude, it was a phenomenal trip. Of course, it just sounds so bougie, right? Like, oh, where'd you go over at the, well, I just went to Dubai, you know, no big deal. Just went to Dubai and then Abu Dhabi. I promise, I'm not really that bougie. I just love to travel. 
And myself, I'm not really into F1 very much, but my siblings are, and at least one brother is, and his friends, and they're like, hey, do you want to travel? I love traveling. I've never been to that side of the world at all. It is quite a culture shock, even though Dubai in many ways is somewhat of a westernized city because it's just so advanced in, in, in many ways. It was just phenomenal. You know, we went to represent Checo, the one and only. He was He's Mexican. We're Mexican. You, you got to go represent, you know, fun fact about us Mexicans, we will go basically anywhere around the world to represent our team. At this moment, if you're listening to the show, Mexico has taken a bad loss against Argentina in the World Cup. It sucked. While we were there, we actually got to watch, not in person because that's in Qatar and that was about five hours away, a different trip for another time in the World Cup. But we did play against, who was it, Poland? El Checo, no, that wasn't Checo, that was Ochoa. Ochoa, El Santo Ochoa did an amazing stop against them. It's it's insane how how many Mexicans there'll be. It, it, call it Russia, Germany, the World Cup, or Qatar. Us Mexicans, we everywhere. Well, we try to represent a little bit in the F1 races, so it was a lot of a lot of fun. We did a seven-hour tour in the, in the desert. We went up the tallest building in the world, that is the Burj Khalifa. Here's just a little bit of of, of our trip for you for you to watch. And uh, this was the the seven-hour desert uh, that kind of tour that we did, riding some camels. That was fun. Um, here's a little bit of some four-wheelers we were on. Then we went dune bashing. Look, I got to tell you, I, before this experience, I had never, I didn't know what dune bashing was. I, I thought that dune bashing was like you get in the buggy, or what I call a buggy, but one of those little like four-wheeler, but you have a, somewhat of a cage. And I don't know, you just go across the dunes. That, that's what I thought dune bashing was. Well, was I wrong? Because our tour guide in the same, you know, pickup, that wasn't a pickup truck, it was an SUV, um, he basically desinfló las llantas, so he put the, what was it, the air in, into a such slow degree so that it, you would be able to drive softer in the sand, and you basically surf through the dunes. That's insane. You surf over the dunes of in the Middle East. I got to tell you, that's an, that's an experience of a lifetime right there. It was epic. I was in the backseat with Juan, and we were just being, it was like a whiplash every single time. I mean, this guy was crazy. Uh, Nabil was his name, fantastic tour guide. If you ever go, ask for Nabil. He was he was amazing, phenomenal guy. And uh, But wow, was he a pretty crazy driver. So that was a lot of fun. You know, it, it's funny because I was mentioning I'm not really into F1 myself, but it's because it's just such an entire world, but I love to travel, so so we ended up going. And one, one of the things that I'll, I'll mention, this is actually what kind of made me want to record this episode and start this series, because although Dubai is a very advanced city, it, it's, it's very much of a bubble. Uh, it's not like the rest of the Middle East, other than, than the culture of, of Islam that you even have in Dubai. And if you drive between uh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi, you will k- kind of drive through many of the towns that look more like the Middle East that you're maybe familiar with in a movie or so, and you see a mosque every other block. It, it It is just crazy, the experience that you're just like, dude, I'm like in the movie. Obviously, you know you're in the other side of the world because you experience a time change and seeing a mosque like literally every other kind of couple of blocks, you hear the prayer time. I mean, I kind of got a little bit chills just hearing the prayer all through the cities. Usually I'm like, man, I don't know. I watched too many movies or something like that. Uh, what's interesting is Dubai's population is really made up of tourists 
and the locals are maybe about 20% at least from what I from what I heard don't don't quote me exactly on it but the locals are they're super rich the rest are tourists and then the workforce is actually mainly uh, made up of people from India Pakistan that was our, actually our or tour guide even though he was born in Dubai but unlike America, if you're born in Dubai, you're not actually a citizen of Dubai. Uh, that goes through the lineage of your father. I know, pretty pretty crazy. In uh, just other countries, right? That Asia, Africa. And it was great that I found that out, even though I found that out too late because I had studied some Arabic to speak Arabic, but you know, it turns out that only 20% of of people in Dubai speak Arabic and those are the locals and you don't really see the locals much because they're not in your everyday, right? They're not the server. They're not the business owner. They're kind of more the executives. Um, everyone else actually speaks like Urdu and Punjabi, which I don't know yet. I should say, I don't know yet, but one day, one, one day I will. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention as we got going in this, in this series, I hope, you know, I always like to share a little bit about my trips and just um, the perspectives I've I, I gained through them because I one of the things I learned is as you travel, you realize that the world is a little bit bigger than you thought. Everyone says, "Oh, it's such a small world." Yes and no at the same time. I mean, I flew fourteen freaking hours and I wasn't there yet. You know, on, on the way back, it took me sixteen hours. So I got to tell you, sixteen hours in the in a metal tube. I don't know how many thirty thousand feet in the air. It gets to be a very long time. But one of the perspectives I did gain is that even though Dubai and Abu Dhabi are very modern cities, they're deeply religious. You know, we walked a gigantic mosque um, in Abu Dhabi. It is just insane. And when you walk it, you can't help but feel a sense of awe and a sense of wonder. It's even when the calls to prayer start, people just start rushing to the local mosques. In fact, the hotel where we stayed, there was a mosque in the basement of that hotel. And you can just tell such dedication of the Muslims to their faith. And what's interesting about Islam is that Islam has has captivated the heart of, if you Google it, at least 1.8 billion adherents. I, I mean, did you hear that? It is the second largest, uh, second to Christianity religion, 1.8 billion. And it has earned the respect of millions of people, many believing it is a religion of peace and that at least in the middle in the Middle East, you know, you just have too many radicals. Uh, but other than that, Islam is a religion of peace. And in the West, it is just very common to think that Islam and Christianity, for example, are basically the same. That they are superficially different, but they're fundamentally the same. They both worship the same God. They both admire Jesus. Both consider Abraham as the father of their faith. In fact, we had a question at event not too long ago, and we didn't get to get we didn't get to answer that question. But that was one of the questions: was you know what is what what are some of the differences between Islam and Christianity, and are they significant? Are we all just worshiping the same God in our own way, or, or what's going on? And th- do those changes really matter? Well. In this series, we're going to be answering three main questions. The first question is, what are the differences between Islam and Christianity? We're going to be looking at at key differences between them. And the second question is, can we be confident that Christianity or Islam is true? Because maybe we learned the differences, but maybe Christianity is not even true or Islam is not even true. I mean... This is not a world religions class that I'm going to give, although a lot of it you can learn in the world religions class. Can we even know if it's true? I mean, maybe it's just fun information and that's it. And then the third question we'll be answering is, 
is this truth, if Christianity can be true and can be uh, proved to be true, or Islam, is this true really worth living for? Is it really worth giving up your whole life to follow it? Or is it kind of like, oh, that's that's a cool idea, good for you, and I'll find something that's good for me? Because I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't really just want to make an episode on Islam for the sake of doing an episode on Islam. There's just so much out there, which, by the way, I will give you some great resources because I'm not the end-all, be-all, end-all when it comes to this information. Uh, a lot of this is just really from what I've studied about it because I, I am so, super intrigued into learning about this and being able to share the gospel with our Muslim friends. Because, let's be honest, you can Google so much, and there's a bunch of information out there, which, let me tell you right now, since we're on the topic, uh, if you Google Acts 17, Acts 17 is no longer the same YouTube channel, but you will get his new YouTube channel, David Wood. He's actually the he was the best friend of Nabil Qureshi. Nabil Qureshi, you've heard me mention him before. I mentioned one of his books a while, a while back. It was called, um, I think it was Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus was his first book. And his second book was No God But One, Allah or Jesus. And that's actually where a lot of the information that I'm going to get for this series comes from that book. Uh, Nabil has sadly many years ago uh, passed on to be with the Lord. But David Wood was the Christian who actually brought, um, brought Nabil to Christ because Nabil was a committed Muslim at the time. Fantastic story. You got you to gotta check it out. Uh, but David Wood does an amazing job in breaking down so much about Islam in a very <laughs> in a very entertaining way. Uh, so definitely go go check that out. My hope is that in the after these episodes, you will be able to answer these questions about the differences of, of Christianity and, and Islam in a way that's reasonable, the way that's educated, uh, because it doesn't help anybody when we're ignorant. If, if we're trying to share our faith with someone else, it doesn't help if we're ignorant of what they believe in the first place. But also that your own faith in Christ will be strengthened and solidified. Because I want to remind you, our faith should not be just a category of our life. It shouldn't just be intellectual knowledge. Our faith should be our life. That's right. Our faith in our life should be basically the same word. It should be a thesaurus word for each other. Because this is something that I've observed in the Middle East. Their dedication in fervor is something that is hard to find around the world. Because sadly, you can find Christians who say, oh, I'm a Christian, but ah, you know, I kind of do things on my own terms, or I'm a Christian, I kind of sometimes go to church, I sometimes don't go to church. And by definition, being a Christian doesn't mean you're committed to your faith. It's a, it's a sad reality. But being a Muslim, like by default, you're insanely committed to your faith, at least from my observations, right? That's something that needs to change for us Christians. Because again, our faith should be our life. Faith wasn't a Sunday thing for the early believers. It wasn't just a, a thing on special holidays or around special groups of people. We would act a certain way. No, no, no. It, it is a daily thing. Faith creates a lifestyle. When for many in our culture, faith is nothing more than a necklace or a social club that we want to be on on Sundays, I was challenged to reflect based on my experience in the Middle East, how much do I really devote my life to God? How important do I make God in my life? Because if if God is really real, then he should be the most important person 
in my life because he is ultimate reality. And it's not about becoming religious because we all know that we can all do the quote unquote right things, but still in our hearts be far away from God. So it's not about just doing a checklist from A to Z and then you're good to go. But devotion does show itself. And I think the problem in our culture is that we have kind of swung the pendulum now on the other side too much, where maybe we were too religious and too like, oh, you have to do this and you have to go to church and you have to read your Bible, where now we kind of slow down taking the foot off the pedal and like, oh, don't worry. But now the pendulum has swung on the other side where now you can't tell the difference between the Christian and the non-believer because there's no change of lifestyle. Apparently you can cuss, you can drink and get drunk and go to parties. And you know, at the end of the day, hey, it doesn't really matter because we don't want to be too religious. Okay, slow down, slow down, because devotion should show itself, and maybe that's a challenge to your life as it as it is to me. Can you really tell you that you're a Christian? Is your faith really evident, or does it require like a lot of questions to finally get to your faith? Like, I'll be honest, I, I try to share my faith pretty fast when I get to know people. And that's not to me, that's just because I want to have the opportunity after I get to know them and they ask me, so what do you do for work? I usually say, well, I'm in real estate a little bit. And then after, you know, when I'm not in real estate, I'm actually really involved in, in the church that we have in Dallas. And right there, we start the conversation, you know, and I've had conversations with it. Yeah. And church, do you go to church often? And then boom, there's how the conversation starts because if we're really devoted to God, it should show itself. Like we've talked about a few episodes ago, it is more about a relational knowledge of God than a just intellectual knowledge. And this relational knowledge of God should in fact shape who we are in the way that we live. So we've asked these questions, right? Are What are the differences between them? between or even are there differences because some people don't think they're very significant even if they are and are they really worth believing and worth giving your life for you know in the west many would say no even if there are big differences people are like who cares there's just different paths everybody finds their path you know the the christians are doing their thing the muslims are doing their thing can we just all not just be friends and find our way into eternity you know in our own lanes or whatever it is But what's interesting is being in the Middle East made me think about all the Christians who are persecuted for their faith. And I asked myself, if the answers were no to these questions, that there weren't any differences, and that it's not really worth living for, why are so many Christians being martyred? Now, I understand we're we're taking a very deep look here because I I want you to have a a serious perspective about your faith. Why was there a a Fatima? You might not be familiar with this story, but she represents a story of many other Muslims. She's an ex-Muslim. Fatima was an ex-Muslim who gave her life to Christ, but only a few months being a Christian, whenever through conversations with her family, it was exposed that she had no that she had turned away from Islam and is now following Christ. Her brother accused her of blasphemy, which the punishment of blasphemy is death. See, here in the West, we might think, oh, you believe whatever you want, I believe whatever I want. It's all about tolerance, right? And it's funny how we kind of have like the elephant in the room that no one talks about in the Middle East is the so-called quote unquote tolerance, yet 
you you look at what's going on in Iran with women's rights. You look at uh, e- even the way that they treat LG- the LGBTQ community. Then somehow politically, the left embraces, uh, it totally embraces kind of is- Islam, and then it's it's really weird. It's and that's maybe for a whole different episode. But what's interesting about Fatima is that for her, it wasn't just like, oh, sweetie, whatever you want to believe, that's totally fine. No, her brother accused her of blasphemy and left the home furious and told her, if you don't repent by the time I'm home, you're dead. Imagine that. You've grown up in a certain, in a one religion, yet now you believe you have found the way. You have believed you have found the one who gives you the words of eternal life. But is it worth it? I mean, if if it's just something that she makes up, could she just not denounce this idea of Christ? But by the time her brother came home, it became a news headline. Her brother murdered her. Look, that I know those are strong words, but that is the story. The story on the news the next day is that she was murdered by her brother for not renouncing Christ. And I won't go into the details of her death because it makes your stomach turn. Yet there is still those who wear Christian as merely a label. And, and I wonder how many, if their life was in danger as it was for Fatima, how many would take off that label as fast as they put it on? Because here's, here's my question to you and to me. Why do you follow Christ? Because this totally depends on how you approach the next couple episodes of Islam and Christianity. Do you approach it in an educational way? Just like, oh, I guess let's find out and learn a little bit more and that's it. Or do you really want to know the truth and know who Jesus is even deeper? Because I understand we took a serious tone right now, but we can't ignore this challenge. The challenge that thousands and millions of Christians around the world who are being persecuted yet refuse to deny Christ when so many of us here in the West, at least, and I can speak personally, make Jesus an extra in our life. So then we ask the questions. If there were no differences between Islam, then why did Fatima leave Islam in the first place? And if it wasn't worth dying for, then why did she just not reject Christ? And now I want to make something very clear in in these coming episodes. I'm not going to critique the Muslim, but I am going to talk, try to be talking objectively and put a critique against Islam. Not the Muslims, but Islam. Because there are many wonderful Muslims around the world. One thing we have to understand when we look at Islam is, for example, Dubai, it's a near-perfect paradise. No crime, it's almost utopian. But we can't be fooled. That, that is not the, that's not the rule. That's the exception to the rule in Islam. In Islam, all of the Middle East, it is, it is a world on the edge of chaos. And that begs the question of why is this? And let's look deeper. We're not going to throw around stereotypes or anything like that because we want to set the stage for the rest of the series. And here's just one verse that I want to share with you that I hope can encourage you today. Because I took a couple steps back and I said, God, look, I, I know I've shared this story before. I was in a world religious class in my college days and we ha- we were going through Islam and I said, God, so many things seem similar of them. 
Why not Islam? Is that a fair question? Why not Islam? And my dad told me a thing that has stuck with me forever now is he said, the greatest lie is the one with some truth in it. That there's some truth enough to make you double think it, but it's ultimately a lie. And that's what we're going to be looking at more specifically. But then I thought, God, if not Christianity, if not Jesus, I'll put it this way, if not Jesus, where do I go? Islam doesn't offer me the answers, as we'll see. Hinduism, uh, New Age, all these different places. Because here's the thing is, the reason that these episodes are important and the next couple two are very important, the reason that faith is so important in a person's life is because you can you can get rid of religion if you like to. You can you stop going to church and everything. But the one thing you won't get rid of because it is intrinsic in you is the existential need as what they call the God of vacuum is a space in us, the hole in us that only God can fill. And this is something that John in John 6, Peter understood when so many people left Jesus because he was saying some things that were hard to understand. Jesus turned around and said to the 12 disciples, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Did you hear that? He said, you have the words of eternal life. This means that every single person needs words of eternal life, regardless if you believe in Jesus or not, or even if you're aware of it, we're all seeking words of eternal life. If I were to leave the church today and somehow stop believing in God and stop believing in Jesus, I would still need words of eternal life, yet I wouldn't find it anywhere. Because Jesus is the only one that has the words of eternal life. And this is why I do these episodes, because I am... I. I'm given a passion or have a passion and really a burden for my Muslim friends that are seeking so earnestly with such dedication, with such fervor, but in the wrong place. And as we'll see, there are a lot of differences to this. So they're not even saying, oh, okay, you're just going the right way and just keep going. The passion's there, but it's only Jesus that can give the words of life. So here's my encouragement to you as we kind of set the stage, and I'll tell you a little bit of what we're going to talk about in the next couple of episodes. Why are you a Christian? Why aren't you a Muslim? Why aren't you a Hindu? Why don't you just not believe in anything? Are you a Christian just because of the church? Just because you like your friends at school? Or maybe maybe you just like reading a couple of inspirational passages in, in the Psalms or whatever it is. Look, all that is great. I'm not saying those are bad things. Those are great things. But they're not the foundation because the foundation is Christ. And as we will see, we can have great confidence in trusting the words of Christ, who he is, and we can know him personally. So in answering these questions, this is what we're going to be doing. You don't want to miss one episode of this series because answering the first question of are, what are the differences, we're going to talk about the two different solutions, the gospel, and I won't tell you the other one yet. And we're going to talk about the two different gods, two different founders, two different scriptures. It's going to be a lot. And then the third episode, we'll, we'll try to answer the question of can we know whether Islam is true or Christianity? So we're going to answer the question, did Jesus die in the cross? Did Jesus rise from the dead? Did Jesus claim to be God? 
is Muhammad a prophet of God? And finally, is the Quran the word of God? We're going to look at the Christian sides, at the, at the Muslim arguments for and against some of these claims. It's going to be a packed episode. You don't want to miss it. So go ahead and subscribe right now. And we'll see you next week on The Andrew Amon Show. See you then. Thank you.